Jesus. I bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I glorify your name. Hallelujah. Amen. As I stated earlier, it's a pleasure to have the Parker family with us. And uh, I, I, I admire this couple. I respect and appreciate uh, this minister of the gospel. And uh, it is really, really a treat to have you with us this weekend. And um, um, our relationship goes back quite a few years. And uh, I've always admired his, his study, his uh, understanding. And he has always contributed uh, good things and good words into my life. And uh, we're just glad to have Brother Parker. They are doing a good work for the Lord uh, in Boise, Idaho. And uh, I deeply admire and respect any man and any lady that follows the will of God and commits themselves to beginning a church for the glory of the Lord. Amen. I think it takes special grace to do both, to begin a work and to continue a work. But thank God for men and ladies that commit themselves to beginning new works planning new works across this world and i admire you for that brother parker and uh, god bless you thank you thank you for being here come obey the lord we're glad to have you in jennings everybody say lord have your way in jesus name let's lift our hands and worship the lord one more time can we do that together Praise you, worship you, love you. You're wonderful, God. You're glorious, God. Honor you today, Jesus. I bless your name. I bless oh, your name. hallelujah. I bless your name. I bless your name. I bless your name. I bless your name. Work freely, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And it's wonderful privilege to be here today. Want to salute uh, your pastor, Brother Townley, and uh, thank him for the invitation. And it's good to be in this place again. Amen. I was trying to remember what year it was, and I thought I remembered. Then my wife said something this morning that made me think perhaps I didn't remember it as well as I thought. I don't remember when it was. Uh, I see some changes since I was here. Amen. What a beautiful sanctuary. Amen. Isn't God good to his people? Praise the Lord. Amen. And we want Amen. We want to always give honor to the man of God uh, wherever we go, where he is laboring and working um, to establish and uphold truth. And uh, we feel we can do that here today. I appreciate Amen. The ministry of Brother Townley. Amen. I <clears throat> commend him for what he's endeavoring to do. And um, you know, planting and uh, ensuring the longevity of truth in a pagan world is quite a challenge. And we're getting a taste of something in this generation that. That uh, it's the first time we've ever experienced it in this country. Talking about a pagan world, pagan world, where the the presuppositions are no longer Judeo-Christian, but there's something 
There's something far different from that. And all religions, all religions seem to be more welcome in this country today. All religions accept the truth. And Jesus Christ is becoming marginalized. And um, people aren't quit. They're not, they're not quitting church. Um, I suppose there's more people sitting in a church this morning in this country than and has ever been. But church is yielding such a different result today uh, than it used to. The substance that's going forth from pulpits is different. Uh, the stated goal, the mission statement, the goals of the church where people are attending is far different than it used to be. And so we've got a challenge here this morning, and anybody that doubles up their fists and rolls up their sleeves and says, we just want to have a breath of God's fresh wind blowing through the church, amen, keeping something old intact, amen, I admire that. Amen, and so I appreciate the motives and uh, the means of, of Brother Townley. Amen, and don't feel worthy to be here today, but I do want, I do want to be a blessing. Amen. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. Amen. I, I'll read a scripture and let you be seated. It's, it's 9.12 by my watch. But I live in the Mountain Standard Time Zone, so that's not fair, is it? Amen. We're doing good for time by my watch. Amen. But I won't let me not worry you unnecessarily. Amen. I know that it's ten. It's about a quarter after ten, and uh, I specifically, purposefully asked Brother Townley what time y'all get out, uh, because. Uh, I really want to obey the Lord, yes. um, amen, but I, I understand the limitations of people as well. So we want to do something good this morning, good to have my wife, my family with me, amen. We journeyed, well, I guess by the time we got here, it's about 1,950 miles, and, um, and uh, we drove 1,850 of it straight through without stopping except to get fuel and uh, I've had a couple few nights sleep since I ended that part of the journey and so uh, it's good to be back in the south amen I was born in a little town called Vinton anybody know where Vinton is amen I was born in Vinton and uh, when I was quite young my mom and dad followed our pastor I don't know if any of you remember elder DJ Coon Man, some of you old-timers might remember, and I say that respectfully. I say old-timers. Amen. You're, 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 you're a crowning achievement among us, and uh, we love and appreciate you, and, 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 and we, just got, we just got to, we've got to keep these, these elderly people. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but Elder DJ Kuhn went and started a church in, in uh, the Seattle, Washington area. 
And uh, it was about that time when I was quite small. I just turned 40. And uh, in October of this year, my home church will celebrate their 40th anniversary. That's when they started that church in 1968. I was just a few months old. But we've got grandmas and grandpas and uncles, aunts, cousins, amen, and, and, and things even unimaginable uh, in our family uh, in this part of the country. And so we've, we've, we come back here often, uh, or at least once a year, uh, to see our family and our friends. And we're Southern by roots, and uh, I guess we're Southern at heart. Amen. But being raised in Seattle, I got a little Yankee in me as well. Amen. I hope you can bear with me this morning. Amen. We'll, we'll try to, uh, to do all things well. Amen. But it's good to be here this morning and hope that we can all get on the same page and receive something from the Word of the Lord. Can we? Yes. Amen. Praise God. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 2, chapter number 2, and I'm going to read just one verse and let you be seated, and then we'll read a couple of more. Amen. You've already been standing for quite a few minutes uh, this morning, and I'm aware of that, but I'll be standing longer than you. Amen. Somebody said, well, you're younger too. Praise God. <laughs> Hopefully it'll all work out. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1. Therefore we ought to give. Everybody say give. That requires something of us. The more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Amen. You think back over your life this morning. Um, uh, there's a few people here that's younger younger than I, but most of you are are older than I am. A good number of you are anyway. Amen. Anybody been in church more less than ten years in this house? Anybody been in church less than ten years? Amen. I see two hands. This church, this church. Amen. How long have you been in the truth less than ten years? Amen. God bless you, brother. Good to have you. Amen. How about less than 20? Amen. Amen. Less than 30? Less than 40? Man, we're getting here. I'm getting some stir up here in this front section. Less than 50? Amen. Amen. Now, you just think a minute. Of all the things that you have seen and heard. Amen. I'm not talking about what you saw at the mall. I'm not talking about what you saw at Walmart. And I'm not talking about what you might have seen on television back before you knew Jesus. I'm talking about things you've seen and heard in church. The Bible says that we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard. Lest at any time we should let them slip and say amen to the word. Amen. And you may be seated. Continue reading here as soon as you find a stable place to be seated. If the word spoken by angels 
angels was steadfast. Even now in the context of this scripture, um, in the context of this scripture, it's referring to uh, those holy men of old, chiefly people like Moses. The Bible said they received the law by the disposition of angels. Amen. The Bible talks a whole lot about how they receive what they got. The Bible says if the word that was spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Who heard him and what did they hear? Who heard him and what did they hear? Amen. I don't do this very often. I am a King James Version preacher. This is what we use. Uh, it's not uncommon for me to resort to something else uh, just for comparison's sake and make sure that I'm getting it all right. Amen. But, but it's not very often that I bring another version or another translation of the Bible to the pulpit. Um, but I could not help when I looked at the Amplified. You know the Amplified is the amplification of the King James. Amen. Sometimes we, I'm up there in a part of the world. Um, let me take my watch off here this morning. Amen. So that we'll make sure we stop at the right time. I'm up there in a part of the world where um, we've got more Mormons per capita in uh, the state of Idaho than they do in the state of Utah. Now, I had to go through Utah to get here. But we've got a lot of Mormons in Idaho. Uh, Mormons that uh, carry Bibles just to get in your door. But they don't believe it. They don't believe it. Uh, they don't believe in Jesus Christ the way we do. Amen. It's difference in believing him, believing that he was, he lived one time, and believing that he was a good guy, and uh, and believing what we believe about him that he was the mighty God, and believe in our own intrinsic sinfulness, and believe that redemption and atonement or atonement comes through him, and the sacrifice of his body. And his blood for us on the cross. Mormons don't believe that. They don't believe that we are inherently. Um, that we, don't inher we don't need atonement. They don't believe that. Amen. And uh, up there where we are. I have, to, I, have to, I have to teach everything from a very basic level. Amen. Uh, the, the Bible Belt is still a different place than Idaho. Amen. Idaho is in the United States. I promise if you'll go get your atlas uh, off the shelf at home, you'll find Idaho up in the northwest just before you get to Washington and Oregon and just before you cross over into Canada, you'll find Idaho. And uh, there's only 1.3 1 1 million people living in Idaho. And there's a whole lot of mountains and a 
whole lot of little towns in Idaho. I live in Treasure Valley, where um, Treasure Valley, where there's about a half million people. It's by far the most concentrated region of that part of the country in several hundred miles. Um, but things that we take for granted, I'm not just rambling here this morning, things that we take for granted, uh, they, they don't know anything about 12 apostles up there. They know about Moroni, and they know about Joseph Smith, and uh, now they know about Obama, and they know about, uh, they know about Oprah, but they don't know about much about Jesus Christ. And so when we start preaching and teaching, uh, literally, there's people sitting on our pews up there in Boise, and thank God uh, that God has given us a piece of property, and we remodel a building that is quite a bit smaller than this building, and that's where we're having church. And, uh, and uh, thank God that there's good, faithful saints this morning, right now. Matter of fact, well, they'll be there in just a few minutes. And they'll be having prayer and starting church. But talking about people in our home church, in our church, that literally everything they know about the Bible they learned at our church. Now, now we're going to try to get everybody on board here this morning and everybody moving in the same direction. But we're talking about ignorance. I mean a devastating kind of ignorance. I'm talking about a kind of ignorance that's tragic. A kind of ignorance that is woeful, that is abysmal. A kind of ignorance that leaves people dead in their trespasses and sins, going to hell that don't, they don't even know why they're there. And if our gospel be hid, the condition of the people it's hid to is they are lost. They're lost. I still believe that without our gospel, you're lost. Amen. Now, we're not happy about that. We're not glad about that. We're not thrilled about that. We don't rejoice in that. Amen. Uh, and, and if it were just up to my human sympathies, we might make some exceptions. And yours too. But we've got to go by the book, which is our roadmap, which is the only option we've got. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. But, but we're talking about people every now and then... When we get people in apostolic church, uh, the fact of the matter is education's been watered down and watered down and watered down to the point that people pick up a King James Version Bible and they don't even know. They, they get hung up on the withered soevers and hither to fours and neverthelesses and the therefores, these thous and shouts. They get all hung up on that. And they come to the, they, they say, man, that's hard. I don't even understand that. And so every now and then I buy for somebody an Amplified Bible, which is an amplification of the King James Version. And, you know, preachers today go to Strong's and Vines and Weasts or Woosts or however you say it. Uh, they go to these word studies and, and they study out all these definitions and they, they try to, uh, you know, they, they try to bring it down into a vernacular where people can understand it. Uh, but the Amplified Bible has already done that. And I'm stopping short of recommending it because uh, that's not my place here this morning. But every now and then I, I'll, I'll give somebody an Amplified Bible and I'll say, look, uh, go, go read this. And, and as you're reading this, 
and you have you get hung up on something, flip over here in the Amplified, and and it'll help you. It'll help you. Amen. Um, amen. Had I met somebody yesterday that I don't know, 22, 23, 24 years old, graduated from a high school in Texas, and uh, cannot read anything. Cannot read anything. Can't read a newspaper. Um, get people in this. Of course, that's one of the reasons why they dumb things down so much. It's so that you have to be spoon-fed things through TV. And uh, they can control a generation that's ignorant. That's right. That's right. That's right. They control people through ignorance. Amen. But I have people read the Amplified Bible. And I, I read what I just read to you in Hebrews chapter 2. I read, I read this in the Amplified. And most of you probably didn't bring an Amplified with you to church this morning. And so I'm going to read this to you in the Amplified. Now, it's pretty plain there in the King James, but when I read it in the Amplified, I just liked the way it sounded, thought I'd read it to you this morning. Amen. Where it said, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. It says in the Amplified, Since all of this is true, now, I don't have time to go back and read all the book of Hebrews where the writer of the book of Hebrews began in the first chapter to present Jesus Christ as our high priest. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, amen. Most people believe it was Paul, whether it was Paul or Apollos or whoever, amen. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, um, it seems as if the goal that they were striving for was to present Jesus Christ as our great high priest. Our high priest. Aren't you glad for a high priest this morning? Amen. Amen. Touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Tempted in all points like as we yet without sin. And for that throne of grace that we can resort to when we've got trouble, when we've got problems, when we've got needs. Amen. Amen. But the Bible says here, since all of this, I don't have time to go back and read the whole book. Amen. But it says here in chapter 2, it says, Since all of this is true, talking about what was said in chapter 1, since all of chapter 1 is true, then we ought to pay much closer attention than ever to the truths that we've heard, lest in any way we should drift past them and slip away. Drift past them and slip away. And where it said in verse 2, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Amen. It said here, For if the message given through angels, or the law spoken by Moses, was authentic and proven sure, and every violation and disobedience received an appropriate, just, and adequate penalty, how shall we escape an appropriate retribution if we neglect? I hope you're listening this morning and refuse to pay attention to such a great salvation as is now offered to us, letting it drift past us forever. For if, for it was declared at first by the Lord, 
himself. And it was confirmed to us and proved to be real and genuine by those who personally heard him speak. Praise the Lord. Now you can say amen to the word. Praise the Lord. There's some things that we've got to hold on to. Lest at any time it should slip past us. Amen. It's as if we're stationary. Amen. We're sitting in our little place doing our little thing. And the ship of truth and righteousness comes by. And we've got to reach out and get a hold of it. And go with it. Or it'll slip past us forever. Praise the Lord. Amen. Giving the more earnest heed. Giving the more earnest heed. Amen. I went through something a couple of years ago with uh, one of my children. Matter of fact, they're not in here. Uh, They're out in your Sunday school uh, wing. And so I'm glad for that. Amen. I've got three children. You'll get to meet them. Uh, maybe uh, my little boy Seth is five, and then Carly, my daughter, is seven, and Stephen is ten. And uh, I went through something with my oldest son Stephen uh, when he was about seven years old. That to me was quite informative. Man, God gives us children, and. Uh, and we're here to teach him something. We're here to teach him. And our children teach, uh, we teach our children a whole lot, but somebody said there's one thing that your children are going to teach you, and that's patience. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. But I've learned some things from my kids. They've taught me some things about kids, and they've also taught me some things about me. One of the things kids will teach you about you is how selfish you are. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. Kids are a remedy for a whole lot of things. But the incident that I'm referring to began with some fairly routine instructions that most any father at one time or another will give his children. Amen. You want to mess, just let it be kids that grow up, nobody ever making them do anything. Praise the Lord. But these I gave my seven or eight-year-old son to perform only to return and find them undone. This is probably going to be familiar to some of you. But when I asked him why he didn't do what I told him to do, he said, he said well, Daddy, I, I didn't hear you. And, uh, and, and of course, there at first, I said, well, you know what, here I'm dad, and I'm in a hurry, and I'm doing my thing, and you know, you go through the living room, and, and there's a mess there, or you're walking, you get out of the car, and they're all playing in the driveway there, and toys are everywhere, and man, I got something on my mind, and I'm on my way into the house, and I stop and say, hey son, such and such, a, and just continue on my way. And maybe I didn't stop to see if he really heard me or not, and I, but I couldn't be sure. And so it's a good thing to stop and look him in the face. 
and make them nod, make sure they hear what you're telling them to do, because kids are smart, and they figure out a way around everything. Kids figure out a way around everything. Just give them a little time. They're ingenious. Amen. Daddy, I, I didn't hear you. And um, after several times of this, I begin ending the instructions with a question. I started, I said, you, you just got to be smarter than the kids. Okay? And I started with uh, these instructions with questions, and I would make him, I'd say, now tell me what I just told you to do. What did I just tell you to do, son? And uh, being forced to repeat what I said at the end of every assignment, it ended this charade that he didn't hear me. Because I say, son, you repeated to me what I said to you. Now don't give me this baloney that you didn't hear it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Lest I should run the risk of giving a good boy a description he doesn't deserve. I really don't think that it was so much uh, a rebellious thing as it was just a different system of priorities. Amen. It wasn't as hard to bring him around to seeing the need to do the things that I wanted him to do so much as it was uh, he thought that he was doing something that was more important than what I had selected or chosen for him to do. Amen. You know, the priorities of most seven and eight-year-old kids is not that of their father. Surely that don't surprise any of us this morning. Surely you understand that uh, your kids and your grandkids have got a different set of priorities than you do. Um, <laughs> Amen. But when I would look at him and say to him, what did I just tell you to do? You know, I just took away this charade that he didn't hear me. Amen. Removing the alibi, however, did not change his heart. He still at times did not appreciate the fact that I assigned him certain things to do. Amen. And before he learned a good lesson, it just made him seek the aid of another alibi. Amen. And of course, like all children should, um, he began to learn as soon as he could comprehend. As soon as he could comprehend, he began to learn my voice and the importance of doing what I told him to do. I hope you're with me today. And so after... He realized that uh, saying he didn't hear me wasn't going to work. He started something else. And it was this. No longer was it, Daddy, I didn't hear you. It was, Daddy, I forgot. Daddy, I forgot. How many of you heard that one before? Amen. I, I'm sure that anywhere I tell this story on planet Earth, I could get some chuckles. Because people understand what this is all about. We've all heard this one. Amen. And so, you know, honestly, I've got kids that, well, I hope they're intelligent. Uh, but if they're intelligent, they're a challenge as well. 
Amen. The only way for them not to be a challenge in this way is for them to be, I don't know, a mental vacuum or something, intellectual vacuum. Uh, and I'm glad that God's given me healthy, intelligent children. Amen. But you've got you to be smarter than they are. And it takes energy to parent. It takes energy to pastor. You can't be lazy and get the job done. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I, appreciate, I hope I have your sympathy this morning. As well as your congratulations. But kids that are intelligent and fleet-footed, and they're always, at least mentally, they're on their feet. Praise God. And they're, all, they're just about life doing what they want to do. Uh, and it's not always what I want them to do, but they, I, I got to raise, you know, now, now, now Stephen, the boy that I'm talking about, that you'll get to meet here after a while, one of the things that I realized about him very early in life is that he has got a tremendous mind for memory. Now, uh, my youngest, Seth, uh, I won't say he's the smartest of my children, but I will say he's the quickest. They all get there. They just get there at different times. Seth is there first. I mean, you just look him. He's got big blue eyes. Wait till you see him. You, you, you just, <laughs> he's just quite a little guy. Amen. He gets there first, brother. I mean, he's there two steps ahead of you. I mean, he's cause and effect. Is an easy concept with Seth. But now Stephen's a smart kid. He's got a memory. He remembers everything. He remembers intimate, infinite details. I mean, infinitesimal little items that most people miss. Stephen gets them. And he remembers them. He remembers what you said. Now this stuff about I forgot. This stuff about I forgot. You just tell them, look, I'm going to give you a lollipop in a month. They will not forget. You know, somebody said, somebody said, if you're going to spank your kids, uh, I know we're in a different world. But I still believe in doing it the old-fashioned way. And come on, one of the reasons why they don't want you spanking your kids today is because the Bible says to. And for you to do it and it to work would be for them to admit that the Bible's true. And they don't want to give the Word of God that kind of credence. And so they don't want you picking them kids up and warming their rear end. Whack! But it still works. I said it still works. And nothing works like that. All this time out nonsense. <laughs> but here's my, my, my little boy that remembers everything you said, brother. He remembers... Exactly what you said. He remembers where you were when you said it. He remembers what you were wearing. Where you were what you, when you said what you said. He remembers everything. Here's a boy that we sent him. Amen. We got a, a pastor scholarship, which is a rare thing uh, up, up in our country. But we, we were trying to get out of the public school mess. We didn't want our kids to be. And uh, you got to have a right set of circumstances to do that. But we found a private school. That is, you know, just a tremendous school. There's only 150 of them in the whole United States. 
You know, we're talking about a classical, orthodox, um, trivium school. We're talking about really advanced and very rigorous. And and uh, they found out I was a pastor, and so they they gave us a scholarship to send our kids there. And uh, immediately, immediately, they start teaching kids a second language. Immediately. And so here's my son learning Latin, which they call it a dead language, but it's not really a dead language because it's the basis of five other languages that are not dead. And if you know Latin, you can really go anywhere in the world where they speak German and where they speak French and where they speak Spanish and where they speak, uh, help me out, sweetie, uh, English, and then there's one other, uh, Italian. That's right, sister. Thank you. Amen. And, and if you know the, the Latin language, you, you can go anywhere. You can order off a menu. Matter of fact, constantly, I didn't learn a second language. And, of course, I tried to be a student and try to stay, but my son constantly is saying, Daddy, you know what that means in Latin? Daddy, you know what that means in Spanish? I mean, it doesn't matter. Here's a boy that at seven years old was speaking more Latin than most kids his age were English. This is the kid telling me he can't remember nothing. This is a boy that's naming all the presidents and all the states and all the capitals. And I mean infinite details of history. I mean the guy just can't remember. I wouldn't say all these things quite like this if he were here. But we're talking about a sharp little mind that can't remember anything. Oh Lord. I said, God, i got to make a better boy here, and i got to teach him something. And so I'm just trying to be one step ahead of him. I said, son, you know, I told him to do something, and, and, and he's, no, Daddy, I forgot. I just forgot to do that, Dad. I just forgot. Dad, and he could be so convincing. Dad, you just don't understand. I was busy. I just forgot all about it. And, and I said, son, if I put, let me just, just, just suppose, you know, Get, we leave for school at 7.15 in the morning. Or we left for school at 7.15 in the morning. And uh, he's in school from 8 o'clock to 2 o'clock. I pick him up at 2 where my wife does. And he's home to, to He's gone out of the house a little over 8 hours. I said, son, just suppose that one morning we're on our way to school. And you're going to be gone for 8 hours, remember? You go to school and... On the way to school, I tell you that, son, now when you get home from school today, son, don't go in your bedroom because there's a snake under your bed. I said, now you go to school. and You go through a couple of hours, and then you play recess and you lunch with all your friends, and you have a good time, and I come pick you up. And we go home. I said, son, would you forget? Now, this is eight hours later. Would you forget and go in your bedroom? See, I'm, it's called a logical trap. He says, oh, no, Daddy, I wouldn't forget that. That's a snack. I said, son, what if I picked you up after school and, and uh, we went and did a whole lot of things and were gone for several days and came home? Would you forget a week later? What about a month later? What if I took you hunting for a week or two weeks or three weeks up in those wild mountains of Idaho? Would you forget? Oh, no, Daddy, I could never forget. There's just a tiger in the backyard. I said, son, don't you go in that backyard. There's a tiger in the backyard. Would you ever forget? Well, no, Daddy. So I had him. I said, so it isn't an issue of forgetfulness. 
as much as it is the importance of the message. He's only seven, but he's smart enough. You see, he, he, he catches on. I said, so it's not so much you forgetting, and it's not so much how much time even has lapsed from the time I got talking about couldn't remember to pick up his socks for 15 minutes. Couldn't remember to feed the dog for 10 minutes. I mean, he just couldn't remember. Just forgetting the most basic things. Not that near as much as it is a system of priorities. And there's some things that we think is important and there's some things we don't think is important. And the things that we deem important, we never forget. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard lest at any time we should let them slip. Amen. Now it's not the end of the world as we know it if a child forgets to feed his dog. Can you hear me? After he comes in from school or if he forgets to pick up his dirty clothes or make his bed. But it does begin to be the end of something vitally important when he trivializes the words, the decisions, and the judgments of the primary source of authority in his life, his father and his pastor, and it's a package deal in my family. I'm not just daddy, I'm pastor too. And I'm not just pastor, I'm daddy. That's a double-sorted that's a double-aspected challenge, father and daddy. That what dad said is not worth remembering caused me great concern. So as a father, I was not making absent-mindedness in my son the unpardonable sin. I felt the need to discipline him, not simply for being forgetful. You see, the stakes are much higher than that. His forgetfulness in this case was a root form of disrespect. And I gave him a little something that he's never forgot to this day. If he was here this morning and I stood him up, and I started it, he'd finish it. This is what I said to my son. I said, son, I took him to his bedroom and I disciplined him for being forgetful. Now, it's too late. Whether you disagree with me or not, it's too late and it's already worked. Okay? I'm not asking for permission or forgiveness. It's already happened. I disciplined him, Pastor Townley, for being forgetful. Huh? That's code language for I whipped his rear end. That's what I'm saying. I whipped his backside for forgetting because his forgetfulness was trivializing the main source of authority in his life. And I said, this son, I said, listen to me, son. Disrespect is the root. Forgetfulness is the fruit. I just made that up, okay? 
I said, disrespect is the, is the root. Forgetfulness is the fruit. I told him this morning, I said, son, stand up. Disrespect is the, he'd finish, finish it for me. Fruit, disrespect is the root. Forgetfulness is the fruit. And I taught him a little lesson, son. When daddy says something, you better remember what I said. Because it might not be feeding the dog and it might not be picking up your dirty socks and making your bed. It might be you getting hit by a Mack truck. It might be you getting shocked. It might be you going out in a thunderstorm and getting electrocuted. It could be way bigger than that. When I tell you to do something, son, you better remember it. And I'm going to hold you accountable and over his I took him to his bedroom and whipped him for forgetting. Don't you think that's a little tough? I mean, he's just, he got Alzheimer's. This is your son, sweetheart, that can remember everything about everything. He's forgetting what I tell him to do, which is very disrespectful. Because he's forgetting what you tell him to do, too. Oh, my. You see, it's in performing mundane duties that make for an orderly life in a natural realm where children make rudimentary connections between the words of dad and the words of God. Now, I don't have time to teach a psychology course this morning, and, and you probably wouldn't be interested in it, and I probably would, you'd probably go to sleep if I tried. But I have read enough you know, you know, I don't like the world of psychology. I, I don't like it. I'm very wary of it. Uh, some of their findings, however, are irrefutable. Now, the problem is they throw the baby out with the bathwater. They throw the baby out with the bathwater. But when they say this is the way human beings react in certain situations, they're right. It is irrefutable. It's undeniable. And they tell us, and this is the truth, that whenever children grow up in a home where there's a strong concept of father, they have a much easier time coming to church and relating to God. Wherever you've got a broke down family life and a broke down home life and daddy wasn't a daddy. When daddy's not good, they have a hard time believing God's good. When daddy's not fair, they have a hard time believing God's fair. When they have no faith in their father figure, be it a surrogate situation or a biological situation where that father figure was broke down, irresponsible, unjust, inconsiderate, and did not deserve, was not worthy of their faith. When they come to church, it's very hard for them to believe in God. You see, God made all of this interplay he made all of this overlap one another. And when you come to church, I'm going to tell you, he had a home before he ever had a church. There was a family before there was a church. And when we preach about strong families and mom and daddy doing what they're supposed to do, it's a lot easier to understand the church when you understand mama. And if mom and daddy don't do their job, a lot harder coming to church and getting things out of people. I tell you, the home is where it all starts. I said, the home is where it all starts. 
And it is in the performing of Monday duties that make for an orderly life in a natural realm where children make rudimentary connections between the words of Dad and the words and ways of God. And it is found in the consequences of the words of Dad that we learn there are consequences to the word of God. And once God has spoken the word, this is what I teach him at home, brother, once God speaks the word, it or its consequence will come to pass. Once the bow is released, the arrow, it can never be retrieved. It can never come back. Once God speaks the word, it can never be taken back. Now, there's a lot of people that wish God hadn't said what he said. There's a lot of people that wish they could retrieve it, amend it, kind of counter it, you know, sort of file the rough edges of it off. But once God said it, it's true, it is absolute, it is irrefutable, and it is forever settled in heaven. What God says is what God means. And it's by definition important. So he requires that we never, never forget. There is a penalty attached to the word of God. There is a penalty attached to the word of God. Y'all need to hear me this morning. There's a penalty attached to his word. God means what he says. And God says what he means. God is what he is. And he requires that we never forget. There's something, doesn't matter how old you get, you really don't need to forget some things. Some things are never going to change. Regardless what college has told you. Regardless of what societal engineers tell you. Amen. There's some things that will never ever change he is the same yesterday and today and forever if he ever was he still is what he is now he was then what he is now he will always be it cannot be changed it cannot be altered it can't be erased and you can't pretend he didn't say it you can't pretend he didn't do it you can't pretend that he's not that kind of a God. Giving the more earnest heed. Son, don't forget what I said. Now the kids laugh about it. But I did this on every one of them. I say, you know what? I said, don't do that. And they say, they say, they say. Why not? I said, because you know what? If you do that, it hurts your backside. It, it just, it, it hurts your rear end if you do that. And they look at you. And they're trying to find, they're trying to grasp how touching this hurts this. It didn't take them long to figure it out. There's this nerve running between the backside and the brain. That you're doing something to one, it just wakes up the other. Huh? Don't forget what I tell you to do. Come on, there's some things we cannot afford to forget. 
Listen to me. It doesn't matter. Young person, middle-aged person, old person. There's some things we cannot afford to forget. There's some things that it, 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 it requires us that we remember it. I don't think we should ever forget how many gods there are. You better not ever forget what Deuteronomy 6 and 4 says. You don't ever need to forget what Acts 2.38 says because it still works. Come on, it might be a while since you've seen somebody experience it, but help me. Hey Amen. you got to believe this. you still got to believe there's a God that answers prayer. you got to believe there's a God that casts our sins behind His back, puts them in a sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. you got to believe the God we serve. And it isn't just in the area of obedience that there is a risk in forgetting there are crucial times when a memory is the only thing that will stabilize your faith you ever been going through a terrible situation and in the midst of it all you remembered something it didn't make the situation go away but it stabilized your faith in the midst of a situation I remember, I've got to hurry here. I, I, I am watching the clock, promise. I'm hungry to go eat some Cajun food, so I'm not going to go too long. Thank you, brother. That'll keep me coming back to Jennings over and over and over again. More times than you want me here. Amen. Uh, my wife and I were married for eight years. Is that right? Eight and a half years before we had our first child. We started wanting to have children five years before we were able to have children. Amen. There was a condition that seemed as though it would not be possible. We prayed and we fasted and we sought God about this situation. My wife and I, our parents didn't know, no one knew but my wife and I. We went to a preach a revival in Kamei, Idaho. Pastor Steve Keller, I will never forget this week as long as I live. Reveal it to Brother Kelly or Brother Gary Howard, one or the other. Reveal it. Reveal it. Somehow help us. And we walked into that camp, or into that meeting. It wasn't a camp meeting. We went to the camp, but this was later. This was a month or so later. We went and preached for a week up there, and, and, and we were going to pull back down to the south and be in this country for a while. Matter of fact, I think right after that was the first time I ever preached here uh, when Brother Alexander was, was, was still the pastor. I remember going into that service on a Sunday night and it's like God laid out that service for my wife and I. And God told us in that service that we were going to have a child. The, the, the things that happened, Pastor, in that meeting that night, the things that transpired in that service that night, when it was all said and done, Brother Kelly said, now, 
you need to go write this down because you don't mean to, to, but life has a way of causing you to forget what God has done. Trust me, what God does for you, He doesn't just do it for that day. You go through your life and you draw from those things again and again and again. And when you get in a tough time, you need to remember something. You remember that God's a good God. I've said this several times, and it seems as if, it seems as if there's that, 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 the flesh, folks, has a hard time remembering some things. I'm telling you, your flesh wants to forget what God's done. The devil wants you to forget what God's done. This world wants to forget you to forget what kind of a God you serve. I've told people this, and, and, and it's like a light comes on. Amen. Most of us don't need a reminder of how right God is. Don't think there's one person in this building that would say there's one word in this book that's not true. Anybody here need a reminder of how, how right God is? No. But there are many sincere people of God who need a reminder of how good Don't need a reminder of how right God is. You know He is. But there's a lot of people that need a reminder of how good God is. Now, now listen to me. Marriages, marriages go through trying times. My marriage has been through trying times. Oh. Just blow you away that Brother Sister Parker would just have trying times. No. Every marriage has trying times. You still got interacting on most intimate levels, sharing life together. Now that's not easy. Now I love my wife, she's beautiful. I don't care if you agree or disagree. Now, it's going to affect my view of your intelligence if you think she's anything less than beautiful. I mean, truth is a truth. She's just a beautiful, gorgeous, sweet, lovely woman. She is a beautiful mother. She's a beautiful Christian. She is a prayer warrior. She prays more than just about anybody I know. I'm talking about a deeply dedicated, consecrated woman. But just take all the spiritual aspects out. She's a good cook. She's a good mother. She's a good companion. She's a good friend. She's good on every level. Now, have you ever seen a marriage end where somebody said, I know she's a good and she's this and she cooks my meals and she takes care of me. She's this, but I'm leaving. I know he's a good man and he's a provider and he's honest and he's a hard worker and I can count on him. He's reliable, dependable, but I believe. How many of you think it happens like that?
somewhere they cease being that. And in your mind, you forget all that good stuff. You don't leave a good husband. And you don't leave a good wife. And you don't leave a good God. Again, we don't need a reminder here this morning of how right God is. What some of us do need a reminder of this morning is how good God is. I'm talking about the character. I'm talking about the means. I'm talking about the heart. I'm talking about a God that's done so many good things. How could we leave Him? How could we betray Him? Lose our faith in Him? I'm talking about a good God. I'm not just shooting in the dark this morning. Come on, I'm talking to somebody's faith. Hey, the devil will make you think God's forgotten you. And God's left you. But there's a lot of reasons for you not to do that. You just need to walk back a month, a week, a year. You need to go back in your life and begin to recount all the words he's spoken. And all the miracles he's performed. All the good things he's done. Come on, people. Marriages don't end while people are able to recount all of the goodness of their spouse. Somehow you forget all that. I believe we need to write things down. And there's certain things you need to bring up. You need to go sit down and talk to yourself. I said you need to go talk to yourself and say, just a minute. God is way too good. Come on. If you don't remember how good he is, you'll come here and you won't lift your hands. You won't hit your knees and you won't think to ask him for anything else because you, you, you think he just fails and, 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 and I'm in a bad situation and you'll start thinking it's because of God. You're in a situation where you're walking through a dry place and you'll think that's an exact statement of how God is. But you know how God is. But the devil wants to isolate you from your memories. And isolates you from your miracles. And isolates you from the good things that God's done for you. But you got to remember. I said you got to remember. you got to remember. Let's stand this morning. Psalms 27 and 13. David said, I had faded. Except I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. He's a good God this morning. Come on. He's worthy for you to lift your hands. He's worthy for you to say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, you don't backslide when you remember who you're serving. What kind of a God are you serving this morning? Come on, I know it's lunchtime and all, but we've got to challenge ourselves here for just a few minutes. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Let's focus here for just a minute. I said let's focus here for just a minute. The devil has a vested interest in you forgetting. But God says, remember, 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 remember. Let's pray here for a minute, can we? I feel his presence. I said there's a good God walking through this house right now. There's a good God. 
I don't know what you're going through today, but I challenge you to remember. I don't know what's happening to you in your life right now, but I'm challenging you to remember. Your deliverance is in your memory. I said your situation, the key to your situation, is it's in your memory. God, just a minute, you've been way too good. I'm not going to believe the lies of the devil. I'm not going to believe the lies of my family. This church has done way too much for me. This is where my victories are. This is where my strength is. This is where my power is. This is where my victory is. This is the church of the living God. It's the house of God. Oh, let's lift our hands and love him. Come on, I challenge you to love him a little bit here this morning. You may be down today, but look up, help is on the way. Dark clouds may dim your skies, but he'll answer you by and by. If he says, I'll bless you twice. I've been living on his blessings all of my life. Never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. You may be down today. Look up, help is on the way. Dark clouds may forget I said I cannot afford to forget hallelujah 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 oh I refuse to forget what kind of a God I'm serving come on why don't somebody step out in that aisle and just lift your hands and worship God a few minutes. Come on, somebody come to the front. Step out and get some victory. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. Hallelujah. Oh. Come on, the key to your situation is remembering. The God you're serving, what He's done in your life.
happens all the way. Dark clouds may fill your sky, but he'll answer you by and by. If he's blessed you once, he's gonna bless you twice. I've been living on Oh, yes, Jesus, expect the help of the Lord. is on its way. Dark clouds may fill your sky, but he'll answer you by and by. If he's blessed you once, 